and welcome back to episode two of the Ecom Pod. My name is Dominic Lovell. And I'm Maddie Lukes. And we're here to talk about all the trends and the latest gossip around e-commerce in Australia and trends around the world. So Maddie, what are we going to talk about today? Well, of course, we have to start with the elephant in the room, COVID, um, and where 2020 is going to take us. 21 with e-commerce and what that's going to mean for the future of the industry. Cool. Well, let's jump in. Um, you know, of course, we, we have to talk about COVID, right? I mean, it's had a massive impact to e-com, uh, particularly in, in 2020. Um, you know, there was a study that came out from KPMG last year and it sort of talks about retail's survival and revival right and and sort of there's this first wave and it's the the shock of uh physical you know having to switch to online and and then you know obviously a lot of brick and mortar stores you know not having the foot traffic not being um you know being able to pay their rent you know all these things around public spaces being shut down um and then phase two is the the revival or it's this regrowth where you know everyone sort of pivots to online uh, there's going to be this permanent change around shopping behavior. Um, and so I guess like in Australia, we're kind of we've moved past that phase one, right? I mean, I think everyone's survived and, you know, we have a pretty good understanding of, you know, where COVID is within Australia right now, or sort of as of, you know, where we're at February, 2021. Um, and so, you know, if companies or if brands were going to pivot online, I think, you know, they probably would have done it. Uh, and we, you know, we, we would have seen that. Um, and so, you know, I think th there is a, an ongoing change that's happened across e-commerce and, uh, you know, interestingly, th there is a study by McKinsey and in the U S it talks about sort of, there's this generally been this 1% increase in e-commerce growth year on year over the last 20 years or so. Um, and, uh, in a three month period, it jumped 20, uh, 10%, right? So it's gone from 20 to 30%. Uh, and so there's been effectively like 10 years of e-commerce growth in, in three months. Um, and so I think, you know, that really is, is here to stay. Um, and so, you know, as we understand sort of what e-commerce looks like in Australia and, you know, we think about 2021, um, you know, I think you know, a lot of these changes that we've seen and, and the fact that, you know, brands are pivoting online is, is, is something that we'll continue to see. Um, I mean, what's your take on, on COVID, Maddie? Yeah, definitely. I mean, people are starting to think about e-commerce now as more than just a channel. People in Australia have started to realise that, yeah, like e-commerce isn't just a channel. It's, it's your brand. It's how you're perceived to the world. I mean, on average, people spend about six hours a day on their mobile phones. Um, and if you extend that to how much they're looking at computers as well, the attention in that world is there. That's where it is and that's where, it, where it's at. Um, and that really came to light in COVID and businesses really started to, I guess, look at that and Think about what that meant for their business. I know a lot of brands have been 
undergoing, I guess, this self-realization of that's where they are and that's where they need to be and have their best foot forward. So the change that's coming from that in the market at the moment is huge. Um, I know that for a lot of brands, the growth that COVID has brought potentially can't be sustained, particularly for those retailers that are still thinking about their brand as a, I guess, a brick and water brand or for multi-channel businesses that um, are both in store and online. It might be actually tricky to reach those levels of growth that COVID bought. So I guess in this context, you've really got to be fully wired up for e-com um, because otherwise we might see a lot of brands start to peter off as we kind of move past this huge growth phase that COVID's brought on. So it's a really interesting time for all businesses, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think like there was some stats that came out at the end of last year from, from Australia Post, right? Um, what did they look like? Yeah, I mean, Australia Post has been, I guess, almost on the front line in a way of of all of getting people's orders to them and um I know their logistics are really really hell-bent with all the orders that are coming through but in terms of Queensland I mean 30 percent 38 percent increases we're seeing year on year with online purchases New South Wales is 37 percent um South Australia is 35 percent so it's it's huge increases that Australia deal with and almost 35% more online purchases than last year for Australia as a whole. It's um, amazing stats that we're seeing and like nothing, I guess, yeah, the, the world has seen before. And so um, what, are, what are those increases? What are people buying? I mean, it's pretty understandable that the food and liquor industry would be experiencing the biggest growth. I know, um, kind of had a, probably a couple more drinks than they would have otherwise during the COVID pandemic. So food and liquor are up 50%, which is incredible. Um, and then fashion as well is up 37%. And home and garden is up 36%, which makes sense being everyone do, doing their COVID projects and garden projects when they can't go outside of their house. So um, not surprising, but yeah driving the growth yeah definitely I mean I guess it's all these like virtual drink hours and and all the DIY projects that, that people are trying to you know, do now that they're all stuck at home <laughs> I mean I mean even if we talk um growth outside of sort of COVID right there, there's been a a huge number of companies that have uh, had some um you know, cash injections, I guess you'd call it, right? I mean, the number of IPOs were were uh, quite quite above average for, for Australia uh, e-commerce. Um, you know, whether you kind of look at companies like Adore Beauty or My Deal or Booktopia, I mean, they all had their their listing in, in 2020, which, um, you know, given the climate of COVID and, and, and those kinds of things, it's, it's interesting that... Um, you know, those companies decided to, to go ahead uh, and and uh, and list. Um, 
So yeah, it's really cool as well. I, what I loved about Adore Beauty was that they were actually the largest in history in terms of a woman-led business on the ASX. So that was really cool to see that Australia's kind of leading the way in that sense as well. Yeah, I, I love Kate's uh, story from Adore Beauty. She, you know, it's she's been around for for twenty odd years in in the space and. She talks about how in the early days, you know, she tried to get in and, and, and do some coding herself, but, uh, you know, she, she ended up hiring some people to do that eventually. So, you know, that it's really a good success story about, you know, somebody uh, starting early and chipping away. And, you know, that wasn't an overnight success. That was a, a, a long, you know, drawn out success of, of her working hard and, and um, you know, there, there's a really good, strong business behind what they've built there. So, um, you know, really well done. Um, I mean, even, even sort of offline, right? There are today, I think it was announced that Culture Kings uh, had a, a cash injection, right? There was a private equity firm that was going to uh, give them 600 mil, uh, which would give uh, the private equity firm 50% stake in the business. Um, you know, I think earlier you and I were, were talking about other sort of retailers overseas that, uh, you know, where there's this trend of companies buying companies or, or there's sort of M&A mergers and acquisitions all going on in, in the space. Um, you know, what, what's your take on those? Yeah, I mean, the biggest one that's come up reason, recently is ASOS acquisition of Topshop, uh, which was a huge deal about 20. 265 million pounds, which is about $476 million. Obviously, Topshop has struggled massively during the pandemic with not having an e-com presence. Um, but the acquisition of Topshop by ASOS really marks a new time for that brand. I mean, in saying that Topshop products on ASOS is still the most highest selling in terms of jeans, um, tops and dresses they have a huge brand penetration so um, a lot of loyal customers that they've acquired and I guess they're going to be able to dominate that market by acquiring Topshop so I think yeah an amazing move for ASOS we've also seen companies like Boohoo um, buying up a lot of brands including Warehouse, Oasis, Debenhams overseas it's just millions of customers opening up huge potential to grow with you know clever marketing and new product categories like homewares um, that these online big players now have their hands on so they're going to be able to if played play their cards right way really capitalize on that um, and also get into other markets I mean for ASOS being a London-based brand Topshop US brace brand so that opens up that whole market for them as well um, and I guess yeah the the markets that these brands are going to have the monopoly over just um, grow and grow and grow with these acquisitions that are taking place which really couldn't have happened if it wasn't for the current context that we're in with COVID and the pandemic so some incredible opportunities that are probably going to be once in a lifetime yeah, I mean, what's interesting is this, like, you know, pure play retailer, online retailer, purchasing an offline retailer. I mean, it kind of draws comparison to uh, Amazon buying Whole Foods in the US. Um, 
and you know kind of it was an interesting idea at the time around well you know why would amazon buy um whole foods but you know it gave them access to sell their products in store to have this you know uh, fan base you know as as you've mentioned um uh, of customers and you know the the reach around sort of um in-store pickup or uh you know sort of the whole you know last mile component of like trying to ship things right from from stores and so um you know asos which is you know typically been like online only i mean them having now access to these uh top shop locations means that you know they have access to do things like uh click and collect uh, in store or um you know if you order something online and and you're close to one of these stores i guess like you know the the last mile delivery where the store can can um ship it to you quicker and faster than maybe they could if um you know they were sending it from from their warehouse so um you know there, it's definitely an interesting trend where you know historically we might have seen like an offline retailer purchasing an, an e-commerce uh, company to bolster their online presence but now we're sort of seeing the inverse of of that happening yeah definitely so i guess we got to think about 2021 right i mean we're we're a month or so in and and there's a couple of different trends um you know one of the things that i've typically seeing getting a lot of traction is this notion of either reselling or sort of rental right i, th- I, I think there there will be uh um ongoing market for this um and so you know there is companies in the US like rent the runway where you can you know hire a, a dress uh you know they they purchase the item uh wholesale and then rent it out um you know over and over to a number of customers and we got companies like glam corner here in australia doing the same thing uh <clears throat> there were uh you know startups in the past of one um there was a a girl Nikki Durkin who tried to uh, build up a, a startup called 99 dresses where you know if you had dresses or you know items of clothing that you had purchased but maybe never worn or, or worn once maybe you could you know sell it on this this marketplace um and so you know i think there is this resurgence of this idea that you know you can list something on ebay or you can sort of you know um rather than purchasing it maybe you you rent it once and and then use it and then you know give it back and you know you don't have to spend hundreds of dollars on on the item so um i wouldn't be surprised if we see a few more of these companies that pop up you know around this whole e-commerce or, or the resale of of items you know or 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 the rental space sort of kicking off even further yeah particularly with i guess so the sustainability element that's attached to that and i know we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later but these brands as well have the benefit of being recycled i mean they they're recycled product um and as we become more conscious consumers which the pandemic has also accelerated a lot of these brands like your glam corners of the world you know girls are now loud and proud happy to say that they're wearing dress from glam corner whereas before people were hiding that fact and it was always about the latest dress that you'd wear once that's not that's not cool anymore people actually want to be contributing to 
being a sustainable person and leading a sustainable life and these brands are a part of that so I think yeah that's a really important part of why these re-commerce brands are also surging at the moment yeah yeah definitely I know sort of if you have a look at their insta you know there there are a lot of people that are happy to to share you know what they're wearing and um you know what why they've rented something um I mean what what do you think what's happening in in 2021 from from your side of the world well, I mean, social media is probably the biggest it has ever been in the history of ever. Um, and what comes from that as well is people are wanting to shop from social net. I mean, we're seeing really clever integrations with social channels like Instagram and TikTok and live streams. I mean, even brands are, you know, spending tech time and development time actually building out shoppable videos, which, I mean, prior to 2020 probably wouldn't have gained a lot of traction. But now people are wanting that immersive experience and they want to be taken on that journey through shopping rather than going into a store. Um, And, yeah, like social commerce is a huge part of that. And I think we'll start to see it more and more um and I guess being you know influencers and things like that won't be the how they used to be it'll be through yeah these kind of shop shop entertainment um videos through these channels that is really gonna penetrate at that product to the consumer in a way that hasn't been done before so that's a huge trend yeah I know like Facebook have have tried to do a number of things around you know, shopping on facebook.com and you know they've made some changes in Insta and I think just recently TikTok has tried to launch an e-commerce play to take on uh, you know Facebook at, at something similar and you know you kind of can look at parts of Asia where you know that whole influencer marketing the shop attainment um, you know concept is is really you know taking off where you know, you've got people sitting behind their, their desk and, and recording live streams and, and sort of showing the product, um, you know. And so, you know, there's always been these kinds of things, you know, the unboxing or something, video on YouTube and, and other kind of customer reviews. But, you know, I guess, you know, the whole mobile integration and, and the sort of short form video is going to play a huge impact in terms of, uh, you know, I guess what, what people are doing in the space. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's probably taken a pandemic for people to realise that this is a valuable thing for people as well. Um, I mean, yeah, you had you had your WhatsApp on the side and um, obviously the Alibaba live streams and things like that. But for normal brands to be adopting that level of technology is probably not something that we envisioned would happen, um, you know, a year ago. But now, yeah, it's becoming it's becoming the norm and it's becoming easier to integrate than ever before. So yeah exciting ways new ways to shop for sure yeah yeah definitely i mean one of the things that i've noticed is the woolies up the road from me they've now um you know painted particular spots green uh and so there is a a pickup uh you know you can do click and collect direct to your boot um you know so you can drive right in and and you've ordered previously in the day and and then somebody might come out and and you don't have to have any contact they'll just drop the items in in your boot um and you know 
as someone with small kids, I, I like, I think, you know, it's, that kind of thing is amazing. Um, so that we, I think we should have always had that, uh, cause you know, it's not easy to, to grab a baby or, or a toddler and, you know, get them out of the car and go and get, grab your items and come back. And, uh, and so like, I really see the value in that. I mean, yeah, I'm working hard as consumers trying to, you know, do all these things to get all these products. Whereas now the brands are really working out ways to come to us and the people, the brands that are going to do that the best, like Woolworths with that green spot is prime example are the ones that are going to keep the consumer attention. So yeah, it's really, really clever stuff. Yeah. No, like they've been doing this in the U S a little bit over the last few years. And I know that, you know, Amazon have tried this, you know, direct to boot concept and, you know, they've, they've been really trying to sort of break down the last mile barriers, right. They kind of, they've introduced things where like the ring doorbell could give the um, Amazon delivery driver access or, you know, there are a whole range of other concepts around, you know, either having it at a, a um, parcel collection locker, you know, on your way home or all sorts of things. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see more of these sort of contactless deliveries or, you know, the curbside deliveries where, uh, you know, people are maybe still not quite comfortable uh, going out or, you know, sort of talking face to face or, or going into the shopping center. Um, or even just for the convenience factor, as I said, where like, you know, it's a lot easier to just pull up and, and grab what you ordered and, um, you know, having it straight away rather than sort of placing an order and, and, uh, you know, maybe waiting a, a couple of days for it to be delivered. Yeah. That time saving is priceless. <laughs> you can't put a price on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's probably never been easier to start uh, an online store, right? I mean, um, what, what's your take on sort of spinning up a, a brand or, um, you know, having your own sort of go-to market around different products you want to launch? I mean, it's amazing, really. I've, I've have friends coming up to me telling me that they've started online businesses and online brands, um, and doing it through things like drop shipping. Um, so, for that, I guess, level to have happened with people that I guess aren't really, you know, haven't done the business degrees, haven't done business master business administration. Um, anyone can come go out there now and start these niche brands through a platform like Shopify and they have the opportunity to build something, um, which I guess is really the free market and the value of getting online and just having a go. I mean, yeah, it's the biggest time right now to be doing that. And the opportunity is only going to continue to grow as the attention online continues to increase. So these niche brands that we're seeing pop up are really going to, yeah, start to experience a great time. Um, I know from my friends that, they're seeing great sales come out of that and they're actually able to not work to be able to support them. It's, it's really amazing um, what we're seeing at the moment and the changes that I guess COVID as well has brought on to people's lives, wanting more flexibility and wanting to also have a lifestyle, but at the same time be able to start up something like this, which can really 
support them as well. It's quite amazing. Yeah, and so I guess like whether you're sort of creating your own brand, um, and so I, I see these pop up all the time, right? I mean, these uh, people, be it you know somebody that works from home or, or um, you know, like uh, I see having young kids, I see lots of uh, mums starting up kids labels and, and then, you know, publishing them on Instagram and, and getting a huge following behind, you know, these, these small little brands they've uh, created. Um, but I guess there's also other avenues, right? There's kind of a, a, a surge of, of marketplaces that's been popping up lately, right? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, people are selling their clothes and things like that on marketplaces left, right and centre who things like Facebook and um, Amazon as well. But we're also seeing brands starting to integrate with these marketplaces that don't necessarily have the financial ability to build logistics, to deliver online or go tap into a market they haven't been able to tap into and are really using players like Amazon um, to kind of get there. I mean, Farfetch is another example of where luxury brands can really start entering markets and boutique brands that they haven't been able to enter into, um, particularly with the investment from Alibaba as well, which is allowing Farfetch customers to enter the the China market, which is really the huge um, piece of the pie that everyone's been trying to crack and is so difficult to if you're an Australian brand or or yeah even a US or a UK brand so the opportunity that marketplaces provide is that logistics and operations and setup that's I guess the the trickiest bit to break the back of um, and providing a platform to be able to do all that for you so that's that's why we're seeing that huge movement towards marketplace, not just for brands, but also for your average girl wants to get rid of her wardrobe and start fresh and make a fair bit of money doing it. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, the thing about these marketplaces is, you know, they, they've got the established brands. Um, you know, obviously eBay is historically like the most common example, but you know, one of the reasons why Amazon has done well is because, you know, as a seller, you don't have to worry about, you know, so many parts of, you know, the e-commerce uh, journey, right? I mean, you can just list your product uh, and then they will handle the cart and conversion and, and check out, um, you know, the whole um, sort of sending customer details out across and, um, you know, they have their fulfillment by Amazon or FBA service as well. So if you want to and, and you're having your own products made, you can literally have them shipped into the warehouse and all of the logistics behind the pick, pack and, and ship are all handled by these marketplaces as well. So, you know, it's not surprising that we see Aussie uh, companies like Catch and Maya, you know, spinning up their own marketplaces um, because, yeah, it's, it's, it's off the back of their – their uh, big names and reputation that these smaller brands and smaller uh, names can sort of uh, get access to, to the customers. Um, yeah, absolutely. And Dom, I feel like we have to end on one of the biggest trends for 2021, which is 
sustainability, of course. It's the thing on everyone's minds at the moment. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, it's this overarching trend. I mean, Scott Galloway, who uh, is a professor of NYU and um, talks about this often, uh, and, and he kind of has coined this term that you know, brands are becoming woke or, or that you know, it's a woke <laughs> brand. And so, um, you know, there are a number of reasons behind the, the woke uh, brand, but, um, you know, a big one is this sort of, as we discussed already, this environmentally conscious brand or, you know, brands that are considering to be more sustainable, um, you know, as we sort of consider climate change or the, the impact of fast fashion, um, you know, from a, a manufacturing or logistics or, you know, turnover perspective. Um, and so, uh, you know, even uh, Jeff Bezos, who uh, was the CEO, uh, founder of Amazon, recently uh, he he stepped down. Um, you know, he has pledged you know upwards of of ten US billion for climate activism, um, and so, you know, there is this debate around, you know, what kind of impact does uh, a brand like Amazon have to um, you know the the globe essentially right around the the whole um, you know, logistics piece and and um, you, know, you know environmental footprint that they may have as as a, as a big company a big global company. So, um, I mean, what, what's your take on on these environmentally conscious brands? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's actually an amazing um, organization called I equals Change, and the brands that work with them actually give a dollar to a cause, a powerful cause for every online order. Um, and some of the work they've done is they have tested when a brand has sent out that messaging to customers and talked about their commitment to whatever that project may be, whether it's removing plastic from the ocean or feeding feeding young girls or supporting breast cancer or whatever it may be, these brands are seeing conversion increases when talking to that messaging versus when talking to just about their product. So I think it's really a testament to where consumers' headspaces are at at the moment. Um, E-commerce more than ever now is actually responsible for making that change and making sure our processes are sustainable and also, I guess, exposing digitally the process that are the business processes that they go through and giving the customer that transparency um, of what they do and why they do and how they do it. But also, what are they doing about it? What are they doing to give back? I mean, what are these, how are these brands making sure that they are sustainable? And yeah, we kind of joke about them being the woke brands, but really it's, it is every brand's responsibility to, I guess, make sure that they are being sustainable for the future because we can't rely on anything else to do that um it's really it's really small businesses that are going to make that change so i think yeah i'm all for the woke movement basically <laughs> and, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely popular, uh, particularly sort of um, you know Gen Z and and younger, where you know they they you know, have a strong sense that you know we need to make some changes now, and 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 that will impact the future. Definitely. <laughs> All right, Maddie. Well, thanks for the chat. Uh, I mean, I'm keen to sort of go through the, the different things of what's happening in Australian e-commerce, uh, you know, next week. And um, yeah, I guess if, if people have questions, you know, please reach out to us. I mean, we will post this on, on LinkedIn and, and other places and, um, you know, let us know if, if you want to have a chat or uh, if you'd like to be a guest at any stage. That sounds good. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you. And, and uh, as I said uh, last time, you know, please subscribe using your favorite podcast app uh, and let a friend know too to listen in. Um, so until next week, uh, thanks and we'll catch you then. Talk to you soon. Bye.